0: How are you this morning? Are you good? All right, you doing good. So several of us on the production team, um, Christmas Day and then the day after Christmas, uh, we flew out to Carmel Valley, California, and we had a working retreat, and we're working on writing new songs, and we're kind of gearing up for June the 10th, which will be a live recording, and you're all going to help us to sing these new songs, and there'll be video and audio and and so we were working on those, and about the third day, probably really close to um, the first of the year, um, I got a phone call from one of my farmer friends from Indiana. And the night before, um, his son, who was in a car accident, um, actually broke the fourth vertebrae in his neck and totaled a Ford Expedition car. So those are big cars, big SUVs, so it was a pretty, pretty serious accident, and so he just asked me to pray. And then a few days later go by, and he calls me again. And his in-laws live um, in Carmel, Indiana, but the other half of the year they live in Fort Myers, and they were on a scooter. Now, you, you got to picture this. This is an 88-year-old man and an 86-year-old woman. They're like going around Fort Myers in a scooter, and um, uh, a guy was drunk, just, completely drunk, and he drives through a parking lot, drives through the bushes, and he literally runs over them, just runs over my buddy's in-laws. And um, the the 88-year-old man lost his leg, had to be amputated. And the 86-year-old woman has had two different knee surgeries, and if they don't work, she will have that leg amputated at the hip. And so my friend you know, is calling me and saying, you know, you you, you have no idea what we're going through. I had to fly my wife down here. And of course, you know, he's just now getting ready to enter into his busy season. This is a time when all those guys in Indiana are cranking up and working really hard. And um, he said, am I Job? And I said, no, you're in a night season. It's what the old timers would call a night season. And everybody in the room understands that. We all understand a night season. We've all been in night seasons. We all go through night seasons. We're, we're in God's will. We're prayed up. We're going to church. We're tithing. We're serving. We're loving people. We're forgiving people. But but we go through something and, and all of a sudden there's a health hiccup or there's this financial frustration or You're alone, and you're lonely, and you don't want to be alone, right? And you can be lonely being married. You can be lonely being single. Uh, You can be single and want to be married. You can be married and want to be single, right? And and so um, we, we all have these night seasons. Everybody has them. Everybody goes through them. How many of you in this room either are or have been in a night season in your life? Now, look around the room. It's ubiquitous. It's, it's universal. It's all of us in this room. And, and so the Bible talks clearly about these night seasons. And so just because you're in a night season today, or maybe you're not in a night season today, but you will be in a night season, it doesn't mean that we, we lose faith or that we, we think we're Job. However, as I've studied Job in my life, I've come to love the book of Job. Because the book of Job is honestly a book of great hope and great courage and great faith. And so what I want to do today for a few minutes is take a macro approach of the book of Job. If you've never read it, it's 42 chapters. We're going to read all 42 chapters this morning, okay? It's a big book. We won't do that. It's a big book, but I want you to think about night seasons. You've been in them. How do you respond? How do you get through it? How do you go forward when you are in a night season? Well, the story starts off strange, and it just gets odder as it goes along. Here's the book of Job, Job chapter 1. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the donkeys were grazing nearby, but the Sabaeans attacked, and they made off with them. They put the servants of the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and your daughters. Now, up to this point, it's bad. You lose all your cattle, you lose all your sheep, but it pales in comparison to losing your children. And some of you in this room have lost a child, or you've lost children, and there is nothing like this night season. The pain that people go through during this time, it is enormous. While you were still speaking, your sons and your daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house, and suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, then he fell to the ground in worship. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Would that be your response? Wow. Say that out loud. Wow. That's impressive. That's incredibly impressive. Maybe the next verse is even more impressive than this verse. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with a wrongdoing. Now, the point this morning is not that you're Job and not that you're going to react exactly like Job, but number one, the point is we're all going to have night seasons, but they only last for a season. This is why suicide makes no sense. Suicide makes absolutely no sense because it only lasts for a season and it's universal. Every one of us in this room has had a night season. We're in a night season or we will be in a night season. It could be health. It could be finances. It could be pressure at work it could be taking care of aging parents. There's a bunch, there's a plethora of things that relate to a night season in your life. Now, the next section of scripture really tells us what not to do when someone's in a night season. And they call these Job's three friends, which I'm not sure they're friends at all. I would call them Job's three idiots, but I'm not supposed to talk like that because I'm the pastor. But these are Job's three friends, supposedly, and these three friends do not help a bit. And I want to read just one little bitty passage of Scripture about the friends because the friends are not helping him. And this is what you have to think through. When my friend called me uh, the day after, right before the New Year's and said his son was in a car accident, I didn't ask him, well, was the son going to church? Was the son given his tithes? Was the son prayed up? Those are not the kind of questions you ask at that time. And yet Job's three friends are trying to theologically figure this out, and it's just absolute disaster. Consider now who being innocent has ever perished. These are the friends. They're saying, look, Job, if you're innocent, who's ever perished? God doesn't do this. Where were the upright ever destroyed? As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. And so again, this is not going well. And there's chapter after chapter after chapter telling you what not to do with Job's friends. Now, I want you to hear next Job's soul. Because if, if you're in a night season today, your soul is hurting. Your soul is is, is challenged. Your, your soul is trying to, to breathe, and yet you just feel like you just can't even get your breath. Listen to Job's soul in chapter 3. Job opened his mouth and he cursed the day of his birth. May the day of my birth perish and the night that a, they said a boy is conceived. That day may it turn to darkness. In other words, my birthday should be the worst day of the entire year. It should not be a national holiday. It should be a day to be avoided every calendar year. May God above it not care about it. May no light shine on it. May gloom and utter darkness claim it once more. May a cloud settle over it. May blackness overwhelm it. That night may thick darkness seize it. May it not be included among the days of the year nor be entered into any of the months. May that night be barren. May no shout of joy be heard in it. May those who curse days curse that day, those who are ready to rouse Leviathan. May its morning stars become dark. May it wait for daylight in vain and not see the first rays of dawn. For it did not shut the doors of the womb on me to hide trouble from my eyes. In other words, God, you could have shut my mother's womb. You could have caused all this to fall apart, but you didn't. Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from, from the womb? Is he discouraged? Is he discouraged? Is he in pain? Is he overwhelmed? Does he have this incredible sense of despair and depression taking place? Absolutely. Why were there knees to receive me and breasts that I might be nursed? For now I would be lying down in peace. I would be asleep and at rest with kings and rulers of the earth who built for themselves palaces now lying in ruins. With princes who had gold who filled their houses with silver. Or why was I not hidden away in the ground like a stillborn child, like an infant who never saw the light of day? There the wicked cease from turmoil, and there the weary are at rest. Captives also enjoy their ease. They no longer hear the slave driver shout. The small and the great are there, and the slaves are freed from their owners. Why is light given to those in misery and life to the bitter of soul? To those who long for death that does not come. Who search for it more than for hidden treasure, who are filled with gladness and rejoice when they reach the grave? Why is life given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? In other words, God's hedged me in. He's taken all my cattle, he's taken all my children. Of course, then you know that even his own body was impacted and affected with sores and, and boils and blisters. For sign has become my daily food. Isn't that so true? When you're in a night season, You just find yourself going around the house sighing. You're in a car and people just, they hear you. You're just sighing. You sigh, a sigh. You sigh. You sigh all day long when the night season. And my groans pour out like water. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace. I have no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Can you relate to any of that? Does that make sense? You see, he's in the middle of a night season. And the night season, that mountain is in front of him. He can't see over it. He can't see through it. He can't see around it. It's right in front of his face. And that's all he can see. And when you're in your night season, you go to bed thinking about it. And what do you do when you wake up? You think about it when you wake up. It's the first thoughts on your mind. And you dream about it or you have nightmares about the night season. So what can we do? Well, let's keep looking at Job and, ex- and look a little bit deeper. Job always focused on the problem. That's what we do in a night season. Oh, I'm going to go bankrupt. Oh, my life's over. This is permanent. This is how my story's going to end. Well, I can never get any better. I'm physically I'm emotionally, oh, this, this is it. My, my kids, they're never going to amount to anything. Oh, my goodness. How in the world are we going to take care of our parents? A night season, you focus on the problem. It's not what you need to do. And you magnify what's wrong. It's all you talk about, right? Just try to get somebody off their night season discussion. Have a conversation with somebody. That's all they want to talk about. It doesn't matter. We can talk about the Rays or the Bucks or the Lightning. The Lightning's worth talking about. The Lightning right now. It doesn't matter. All of a sudden, they can turn that conversation all the way back to their night season. That's all they talk. They magnify it. They magnify it. They magnify it. And then it just kind of overwhelms you, and you can't see how to go forward. You can't see how to get out of it. Well, the next part of this chapter is chapter thirty-eight, and. What Job is wanting is an audience with God. If he can just get in front of God, he can clear his name. So Job is asking to sit down with God like in a court case. And if he can just spend some time with God, God will find him not guilty. God will acquit him. He'll exonerate him. And therefore, Job will be able to have this blissful life again because obviously God doesn't know what's going on. Obviously, God's fallen asleep. God's not alert to to Job's night season. Now, haven't you felt that way? Haven't you said, Lord, it's me. I'm your daughter. Hey, it's me. I'm I'm your boy. God, where are you right now? Maybe he's falling asleep. Well, so, so, So chapter after chapter. Now, what Job does is he keeps asking for this audience with God. And by the time we get to chapter 38, God says, all right, big boy, buckle up. And God says, brace yourself like a man. And for about three and a half chapters, God will just say, hey, Job, where were you when I created the earth? Hey, Job, where were you when I made the oceans? Hey, Job, where were you when I let the horse run wild? Hey, Job, where were you when the ostriches, and it's just chapter, it's fascinating. If you don't want to read anything else, read Job 38, 39, 40, and 41. It's fascinating. And here's what God says in response. Whoops. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. That should be your first clue something's going to happen who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge about now job's getting smaller and smaller and smaller he doesn't have a clue what's about to take place brace yourself like a man that's not a good picture either When the Almighty God says, buckle up, big boy, here it comes, that's when you need to go, oh, forgive me, let's let's not do this. Let's go watch the race play. And this is a time to get out of this. Brace yourself like a man. In other words, hold on, because I'm going to speak to you out of the storm, out of the whirlwind. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, Job, and you will answer me. Is your 20 bucks on God or on Job for this? Yeah, it's on God where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. God is sarcastic. I love this about God. God has some some humor here. Tell me if you understand. Then Job Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Now you just got to understand that verse comes after three and a half chapters of God asking questions. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak, I will question, and you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but my eyes have now seen you. So three and a half, almost four chapters later, Job's responding, chapter 42. Therefore, I despise myself, and I repent. In what? In dust and in ashes. I've had to repent in a night season. I've had to say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I thought you left me hanging. I'm so sorry. I did not understand why you didn't pick this up and run with. I don't understand why I got into this. And you know what? Quite frankly, we're not really sure why you're in some of your night seasons. Now, maybe it's because you sinned. And sometimes we get ourselves in a night season. Because just quite honestly, we like sin and we're good at it, right? Don't we like it and aren't we good at it? So sometimes, and other times, we're in a night season because of someone else's sins. Frank and Inez Bryant were on a scooter in Fort Myers and someone else was stone drunk ran through the parking lot, as I told you earlier, over the bushes, and ran over them. It wasn't Frank and Inez's sins. It was the sin of a drunk driver that ran over them and nearly killed them. So maybe you're in a night season because it's for God's glory. In John chapter 9, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither one of them. It's about the glory of God. So maybe your night season is to bring God some amazing glory. Maybe it's about your character. Maybe there's a lesson for you to learn. And God is simply trying to teach you a lesson and pass that test the first time. Because if you don't, you'll take it over and over and over again if he's trying to teach you a certain lesson trying to teach you something. So, so why are you in your night season? Well, I don't know. I just know they happen. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world of evil. We live in a world that's filled with cancer. We live in a world that's filled with chemical weapons. We, we live in a world that's, that's very corrupt and evil. And you're in a night season, or you're going to be in a night season, or you will be in a night season, and we'll have these. How do we respond? Well, let's keep looking Here's what I want you to get today. If you get nothing else out of this sermon, I want you to understand that there was life after the night season. People miss this. People don't name their kid Job. And all they really think about are those two years that Job had these difficulties. So Job's 68 years old. He's got this incredible life. He's a big time farmer. He's got 10 kids. He's doing really, really well. Things were great for Job the first 68 years of his life. About two years now, he goes through sheer hell, Appro- approximately two years of just pure misery. After that, he lives 140 years. Are you gonna live after your night season? If you're, is your night season going to define you? Is your night season going to just describe you? Is your night season gonna be, well, that's just how my story ends? I'll never be happy. Life's over. It's permanent. I've missed this for years. The fact that the night season lasted a little while, but the rest of Job's life, Job lives another 140 years. How are you living between your night seasons? Are you serving? Are you growing? Are you all in? Are you playing this game? Are you just trying to avoid a night season? How do you live after it? Does it define you? It's not how your story is supposed to end. You're supposed to learn from it. You're supposed to grow from it. You're supposed to change from it. You're supposed to get stronger and stronger, not weaker and weaker and weaker. Again, it's why suicide makes absolutely no sense. Because after his night season. He had 140 years. Amazing. Amazing. Job chapter 42 says this. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. We know he had a great life at age, up to age 68. We know he had about approximately, don't hold me to this, but approximately two years of sheer misery. But did you know that he lived another 140 years after his night season? Did you know that? I think it's kind of interesting that we never name our kids Job. We always talk about Job, but we focus on the two years. I think Job's a great name, by the way. He's an awesome character. He's an amazing character. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. Now That's verse 12. Verse 10 says that God gave him a double blessing. He he twice blessed Job's life the the, last 140 years. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. Now, this is kind of funny to me. God double blessed everything but the number of his children. God was merciful. God was merciful. Uh, Seven and three... The first daughter he named Jemima, the second name Keziah, and the third Karen Hapik. Nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father granted them an inheritance along with the brothers. After this, Job lived a hundred, how many? What's it say? A hundred and forty years. Some of you have had a night season and it has stopped your life. A grinding halt. The emergency brake has been pulled. God's just saying like, what did you learn? I'm trying to make you. I'm trying to shape you. I'm trying to transform you. Do not let your story end with your night season. You have so much to live for and so much to do. I want to go back to this again, verse 12. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. But here's what's hard. It's the middle season. In every area of life, it's the middle season that's the most difficult. You're a junior in high school, and you want to be an accountant, and you're taking you know, counting three and four. Or you're at second semester college, and that organic chemistry or that microbiology is going to, you know, it's going to define you. It, it's the seventh or eighth month of a pregnancy. Now I 've never been pregnant, but what I 've observed and what I 've been told I've been told and I 've observed that that seventh and eighth month is it's that middle season. It's not the first week of marriage. it's not the first year of marriage. It's the seventh or the 17th or the 21st. It's that, it's that time of, of life where you're in the middle season. Have you ever renovated a house? And in the middle of that renovation, you're going, "Why did we do this? Oh my goodness, this is so much more dust and trouble." Have you ever rented a house and stay married? Bless you, praise God, you're you're a saint. It's the hard part, isn't it? It's the middle season. It's the middle season. It's the middle season of a night season that you've got to just have friends church and scripture and people and friends to be able to endure the, the middle season it is the most tumultuous and difficult so what do we do well let me give you five suggestions these are all on your app um all this is on your app but uh fill in the blanks if you want to i have to do this i, I gotta remember it's not gonna last forever what's it say the night season is only what so it's only temporary I have to remember that. I will not be in this place forever. I will not feel this way forever. I will not be this despair, place of despair forever. It's it's temporary. The night season is temporary. Now, you know that because you've already been in three or four night seasons. Right? Some of you. You you know it's temporary because you've gotten through other night seasons. Number two, I have to realize that God determines my destiny. My, my marriage ending doesn't determine my destiny. My, my business failing or fluttering, it doesn't, it doesn't determine my destiny. I didn't pass organic chemistry or I didn't make calculus. It doesn't determine your destiny. God always determines your destiny. And with God in your life, it means breakthroughs are coming. It means joy is coming in the morning. It means God has a plan for your life. It, does, it means that work situation won't always be as difficult as this. Promotions are coming. God will always determine your destiny. Man or women, Men and women do not determine it. God determines your destiny. I've got to remember that. I have to remember all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. All things, all things, all things. His faithfulness in the past gives me hope and future for the present. And I have to magnify God's greatness and faithfulness. This is what King David did. When you read through the Psalms, you realize that David was constantly bombarded with enemies. David had challenge after challenge, sometimes within his household, many times outside of his household. But what did David do? David praised the Lord. In your night season, can you get on your knees and say, I don't know where this is going. I don't know how long this is going to be, but I will give you glory and I will give you honor and I will sing to you. Zephaniah 317 says, God sings over you. I think he sings a little bit louder in the night seasons. And so I magnify and I praise the greatness of my God. And I learn to speak life and hope. Now, this is a game changer. Because in my night seasons before, I've not spoken life and hope. I've spoken everything but life and hope. Are you with me on this? Or am I the only unspiritual one in the room? (laughs) That could be too. That could be true as well. But we learn to speak life and hope because our hope is in the King, our hope is in the Creator. I don't need to spend three chapters like Job did asking God and then, Job, and then God going, brace yourself like a man. I don't want that. I want to praise him. I want to honor him. I think you'll come out of your night season even quicker and faster when you give him glory and give him honor and you praise him and you magnify him. You want to get out of your night season? You learn to speak life and hope. Listen what he says in the book of Job. He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. And then lastly, here's the last suggestion I live after the night season with faith and with courage. I live after the night season. My friends, you're not going to have 140 years after your night season. Job lived to be 210 years old. So after your night season, are you going to live? Are you going to serve? Are you going to grow? Are you going to pray? Are you going to honor? Are you going to give? Are you going to figure out how to take your night season and help other people who are in the same situation you're in? That's what life's all about. Life is about you now taking what you've learned and your experiences and you making a difference in somebody else's life God did not save you to sit in a pew and stew. God saved you so you would do something and be something with it. God has given you another chance, another opportunity after your night season. So you use it for his glory. Will you have a life season after your night season? Well, the secret to that is always with your encounter with God.